I appreciate every testimony. And I like what her sister just said about praying one for another. If you have a church directory, you can get one real easy. It takes about 15 minutes just to go through that directory and pray for people. Doesn't mean you can't spend more time. I'm just saying to say a simple prayer. And uh, pray ye one for another is what Jesus said. Isn't that right? And if we'll pray one for another, uh, God sure will help us all. Amen. I need prayer. How I many of y'all need prayer this morning? I need everybody's prayers. And I appreciate anyone, everyone that would pray for us this morning. Psalms 32. If you'll stand with us for the reading of God's Word, if you're able. Again, I want to thank God for every testimony, every song, just the presence of God here this morning. We just praise Him for that. Psalms 32 and verse 1 said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. That's always a good thing. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Salah. Father, I pray this morning in Jesus' name, God, that you would help us these next few moments. I pray the Holy Spirit would do the work that we cannot do. Lord, I ask you to save the sinner that's nearest hell in this building this morning. I pray if there be a saint of God that's drifted far away from you, Lord, help us this morning, God. I pray to draw nigh to you that you might draw nigh to us. We have a great promise, Lord, that if we'll come, Lord, that you'll receive us this morning. And I pray for the will of God to be done. Thank you for every song, every testimony that's been given. And I just pray this morning, God, that your will would be accomplished. Now, in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to notice this morning that in Psalms 32, that as David is writing this psalm here, uh, this is one of the penitent psalms that David uh, wrote as he is repenting over his sins. And I, I want you to notice that as David opens Psalms chapter 32, that he mentions three things here. Notice with me in these verses that we have read in verse number one and two, David mentions a consolation. As he, meant, he uses the word, the same word in verse one and two, uh, to begin each word, each verse, he uses the word blessed. As he said, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. Now the word blessed means blissful. Amen. And what David is saying here is that I have a great consolation uh, number one in this great part and in verse one he said I have a consolation of my friend that our transgressions have been forgiven and that our sins have been covered. Isn't that a blessing as she said this morning it sure is good to be able to get out the bib this morning as a child of God and know that you've been blessed uh, with your transgressions being forgiven and your sins being covered. Amen. I mean as she said this morning what sins uh, are you talking about? Amen. Uh, the devil may remind you of your past. Uh, uh, friends may remind you of your past but I promise you one thing. If you've asked God to forgive you he'll never remind you of the things that you used to do or the things that are the person you used to be and there's a blessing 
blessing. There is a sweet consolation in the great pardon. And then there's a sweet consolation in the great promise. In verse number two, blessed is the man who unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. God said, I'll give you a pardon. And God said, I'll give you a promise that'll bless you all the days of your life. That if you've asked me, God said, I'll forgive you. And God said, then I'll cover your sins. And then God said, I'll not add it to your account. God said, I'll take it away. And can I tell you this morning, it is a blessing to know that my sins are in the past. That my sins have been forgiven. That they've been covered. And that God will not impute it to me any longer. Amen. And so we see the consolation. But look at verse number 3. And notice the first phrase here. David said, when I kept silent. Amen. Uh, David said, when I I kept silence. Uh, He's changing gears now. And he's going from this consolation unto a condemnation. Uh, David, the man who's been forgiven. David, the man whose sins have been covered. Uh, David, the man who the Lord promised uh, uh, not to impute uh, uh, his iniquities. Uh, uh, But now he's reminding us of something. uh, uh, That David, there was a time uh, when David kept silence. Amen. He had sin in his life and he did not confess it. I'm telling you, friend, if you don't confess it, you'll never find mercy. You'll never find forgiveness. It may be theirs for you the taken, but man has a responsibility. And David tells us here that he sinned against God. And my friend, he did not confess his sins. And the result of that, he gives vivid detail here as the consequences of unconfessed sin in his life. Notice what he says. He mentions the delay when I kept silence. He mentions the distress. He said my bones waxed old. It affected him physically. He said through my roaring all the day long. He talks about this distraction that his flesh was crying out. What was his flesh saying? What what was his bones saying as they roared at him? The pain and the physical suffering that David was experiencing was a reminder of his own sin. Amen. I'm telling you, sin will affect your mind. Sin will affect your heart. But hear me this morning. Sin will affect your body. Amen. The reason we're in a dying state today is because Adam sinned and he plunged us all into sin. Amen. And sin is in our bloodstream. But if you get out there and live in sin, I'll tell you what's going to happen. It'll scar you and mar you and it'll affect your mind, your heart, but it will affect your body. Amen. And he talks about the distraction. He talks about the discipline. Look at verse number four. He said, for day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. You see, David belonged to God and God loved David too much to let him get by with his sin. God loved him too much to let him get out there and just live any old way. God said, he said in the book of Hebrews that if I chastise you not, then you're bastards and not sons. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, if you belong to him and you get out in sin, he's going to take you to the woodshed. He's going to wear you out. He is going to chasten you. Amen. You ever heard people say, well, I do that and it doesn't bother me at all. I believe every word of what they're saying. Because what they're saying in essence is if you can sin 
and it doesn't bother you, it doesn't convict you, it doesn't condemn you, and God doesn't chasten you. I tell you what you're uh, what you're saying is you don't belong to God. Amen. As someone can say they're saved, but if they say they can drink and it don't bother them, you chalk it up. They're not saved. Amen. As someone can say they're saved and live out lilies and go commit adultery, but if God doesn't chasten them for committing adultery, they're not saved. Amen. He said, if I chastise you not, and if David couldn't get by with it, you mark it down, you and I are not going to get by with it. Amen. I'm talking about in this text, uh, there's a condemnation, and he mentions the discipline. Amen. But then he mentions the drought. He said, my moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I want to preach this morning on that subject. I've been preaching a little summer series. And I want to preach this morning on the drought of summer. Because David gives us a consolation in verse 1 and 2. He mentions his condemnation in verse 3 and 4. And then in verse 5, we see his confession. Amen. Uh, David is going through not a physical drought, uh, uh, not a geographical drought, uh, uh, but David is going through a spiritual drought in his life. I'm talking about the man after God's own heart, uh, the man that's been blessed with the forgiveness of sins, uh, the man whose sins have been covered, uh, the man who he said the Lord will not impute his iniquity. But David said there was a time in my life uh, when I went through a spiritual drought and it wasn't God's fault. Uh, David said it was my fault in verse number three because I kept silence. The drought of summer. If you got a Rock of Ages Bible, there's a note there that says summer drought in Judea for a month every year. In late summer there was no rain and all the land became dry, parched, and barren. Such was David's life until he confessed his sin. This morning, unconfessed sins has always hindered the people of God. David acknowledges his sin. Notice his acknowledgement. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. In mine iniquity have I not hid. If we want to have revival, if we want to have spiritual victory, if we want to go forward with God, we've got to acknowledge our sin. Isn't that right? Uh, David said, when I kept silence, I suffered, and I suffered severely. Uh, David said, the reason I can write verse 1 and 2 is because I've written verse number 5. What David does in verse 5 gives us the results of being blessed in verse number 1 and 2 he acknowledged his sin oh this morning across this congregation from the pulpit to the last pew what God wants every one of us to do this morning he wants us to acknowledge our sin I see his acknowledgement I see his announcement he said in verse number 5 I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord You see, you've got to make an announcement. I want to say this morning that if you will confess your sins, other men will not confess your sins. But if you hide your sins and don't confess your sins, other men will confess your sins. 
You see, David tried that. David hid his sin, but God had a man. And Nathan the prophet came in. And Nathan the prophet announced David's sin. Brother, I'm telling you, many people sin and they come to church uh, and the man of God gets up and preaches uh, and in their mind they're thinking, how did he know that? Who told him that? Uh, Somebody must have gossiped on me and told the preacher. No, uh, I'm telling you, that's the word of God and that's the spirit of God. I don't know what you've been doing and how you've been living no more than you know what I've been doing and how I've been living. But there's an all-seeing eye this morning. Uh, Proverbs 15 and verse number 3 said, The eyes uh, of the Lord are in every place, uh, beholding the evil and the good. Uh, God sees everything you and I have done. He knows every thought and every intention of our heart. Uh, You may fool some of the people some of the time, and you may fool all the people all the time, uh, but you won't fool God any time. He knows every motive in our heart. Amen. I see his announcement and I see his assurance. Look at verse 5. Thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. Stop and think about this, David says. I asked God to forgive me when I acknowledged my sin and announced my sin. I found forgiveness. I'm preaching on the drought of summer. He said my moisture is turned into the drought of summer. David said unconfessed sin affected my health, his bones. It affected his head, roaring all the day long. Uh, the thought process uh, of his own sin. Uh, I remember a man that uh, used to be uh, very close to at one time and he fell into adultery. A preacher friend of mine, he fell into adultery and after it came out, uh, uh, nobody come and announced it. He he got right with God one day. He, uh, he confessed it to his wife. Uh, he confessed it to the other party and then he stood before his church uh, and he confessed it to his church. Uh, He come clean uh, and then everybody he was booked to preach for he called uh, and confessed them and stepped away and we were talking on the phone one day when he made that uh, uh, call and as I picked the phone up and said hello uh, I'm talking about David's sin Uh, uh, this man uh, uh, began to weep on the other end of the line uh, and I said to him I said what is wrong? Uh, I thought someone had passed away. Some tragedy has happened in his life and it was and he began to weep and he began to talk and I couldn't understand what he was saying after a few minutes he got his composure and he began to tell me what happened I sat there in shock and broken hearted with him and I'll never forget what he said to me he said brother Gravely I don't know how anybody that's saved can live in sin and enjoy it. He said it only happened twice. But he said every morning for a month when I would open my eyes, he said the first thought that ran through my, eye, through my mind every morning is today the day that my sins are going to find me out. And he said, I could not live without any father. I couldn't live in that condition. And he said, the only thing I could do to find peace was to confess it and forsake it. I want to tell you today that man is doing very well. His home survived. His family is moving forward. Is there scars? Is there consequences? Is there disqualifications? Yes, there is.
You see, he found full forgiveness, but he's still suffering the consequences. You want to know why it's so quiet in here this morning? Because that's a sobering thought to every one of us this morning. We all realize that that could be me, that could be you this morning. I'm telling you, uh, it's not just adultery. It's not just drunkenness this morning. There's matters and issues of the heart that people sweep under the rug and they tuck it away uh, thinking that's a small sin. That's not a big sin. Pride and jealousy and envy and bitterness uh, and gossip. Uh, I'm telling you, all kinds of things, covetousness uh, of different things uh, that we will sweep away and we tuck away and we think it has no major consequences in our life uh, and we just just carry on through the motions but all the while uh, what it's doing uh, is bring a spiritual drought in our life if we don't confess it that's why you cannot let your ear on the phone be a garbage can for someone to spew their things in I, I tell you I've hammered that brother laddie for so many weeks and there, I've come to this conclusion there has to be a reason I think if I was preaching on Calvary today, I would wind up on gossip. That tells me there's something I don't know that God knows. And if I'm preaching to you this morning and you're the one on the gossip stick or uh, uh, spewing that poison and bitterness out, I hope, you get, I hope God gets your attention this morning before He deals with you. Because he's not going to keep telling me to preach that. Eventually, I tell you what, he's going to pull your chains, what he's going to do. Amen. And then if you're not the one spewing it, but oh, you just listen to it because you're such a person of prayer and and you're so concerned about the affairs of men. No, I don't buy that for one second neither. Amen. I hope God gets your attention this morning and you see that when you listen, evil communications corrupt good manners. Amen. And when you listen to that mess, it affects your mind and your thinking about the people around you and it's not always them but it's the person that's pouring the poison into your ear can I get an amen right there I don't know anything if I did I'd still preach it amen but I don't know anything this morning other than every seemed like every page I turn God lets that subject come up I'm telling you this morning David said that these sins that we don't confess in our life listen they cause a spiritual drought in our life What happens when that happens? Let me give you three or four things and we're done. Number one, I want to tell you it hinders growth. The drought of summer hinders growth. And this morning... When a drought comes, a summer drought comes, you know this as well as I do, it's common sense. There can be no bounty. There can be no beauty. Things begin to dry up and things begin to turn brown. They begin to die. There can be no blessing. Amen. Hey, listen, you can ride in the hey, listen, you can ride in the springtime and you can see the luscious green trees and you can see the flowers blooming and you can see all the beauty of God's creation. But when a drought comes, things begin to dry up and there is no bounty hey that garden's not going to yield what it does when the water and the rains are coming hey we've had a wet summer and we've had plenty of rain and thank God for that rain that God has sent our way but there's been summer times and you know this where you walk across the yard and you hear crunch 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 because things are drying up there's no bounty there's no beauty and there's no blessing and it's so in our Christian life 
when we let sin come into our life and we refuse to confess it and we don't keep a short account with God, guess what? There's no beauty in our Christian walk with God. And there's no bounty. And there's no blessing. Why? Because the drought of summer has come. What's happened to David that he talks about in Psalms 32 has happened to multitudes of people sitting in our churches today. Have you ever wondered why people are going to sit in a good church with a King James Bible and Jesus in their heart and good singing and all of a sudden one day they walk away from it all? The drought of summer. You see, they didn't get up one morning and say, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to go out there and fall into sin. They didn't get up one day and say, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to quit. I, I'm going to quit church or I'm going I'm to go to some excuse of a church somewhere and, and blend in where nobody sees me and knows me and I, I'm not committed and I can just kind of do what I want to and live any way I want to. Uh, no, that's, they didn't just get up one day and that happened. But somewhere uh, they left their guard down spiritually. Uh, somewhere things begin to dry up in their life. Uh, uh, somewhere uh, they weren't growing. I want to tell you this morning, it's true for your preacher. It's true for everybody in this building. If you and I are not growing spiritually, we're dying spiritually. It hinders growth. Number two, it hardens the ground. You cannot break through. When the drought of summer comes, the ground becomes tough. It becomes like stone. Listen to this. It's not easily broken or moved. I'm not the smartest person in the world. Well, my dad did teach me this. The best time to dig a hole is after about a day after it's rained. Some ground is so soft you can just put a shovel and turn it over. But some ground is hard. It's got to take a pick. Something's got to pick at it. It's called a preacher. Why a preacher? He's just picking on me. Yeah, I sure am. He's taking that Bible and, and Brother Gravely, well, he knows that about me and he preached it anyway. Yeah, I'm picking at you. Go ahead, I'll plead guilty. Well, he just picked on me this morning in the sermon. Sure did. You know why? Because that ground's hard. And I'll tell you, it takes a whole lot to break through. It takes a whole lot to move. Isn't that the day we're living in? It used to be a time when you preached and people flooded the altar. People walked the aisle. And I'm not telling you you got to come this morning. Only come if God tells you. But I am telling you people, listen, just like the ground, their hearts have gotten hardened. I'm talking about, listen, just like a lot of saints and a a lot of services. Have you ever sat in a service and just felt like it was tighter than a banjo string? It's pretty tight, ain't it? Tighter than a bark on a tree. You say, what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on sometimes, most of the time. Unconfessed sin. Brother, I'm telling you, when we repent, God sends revival. When we repent, God moves. It may be one, it may be two, it may be several. But just like a lot of saints, just like a lot of services, and just like a lot of sinners, I'm telling you when, but think about this, when sinners were tender, saints were touched. Isn't that right? I'll tell you what's wrong with sinners. i tell you what's wrong with sinners. They're blind. But the real question this morning is not what's wrong with sinners, but what's wrong with the saints. I'll tell you, my friend, a lot of saints are barren. They come and they sit on a pew and they get entertained for about 30 
45 minutes to an hour of singing and preaching, but they go home the same way they came, never touched, never tender. Their heart just begins to get hard until finally one day they pull the trigger and they blow out and they blame somebody else. You know why people blame others? Because if you don't confess your sins and blame yourself, it'll always be somebody else's fault. It'll always be because of somebody else. I want to tell you if there's anything wrong with me, if there's anything wrong in me, it's not your fault. It's not people around me's fault. It's not God's fault. It's my fault and I need to own it and I need to confess it this morning. That's what people do. Go on social media and write a post this long how they've been badgered and hurt and blistered by an old-fashioned church and moms and dads that loved them and prayed for them and they're all bitter and they're trying to you know get over a lot of things of their past. Oh, that's just a bunch of hogwash this morning. I'm telling you this morning, listen, God's been better to every one of us than what we deserve. His hand has fed us when he should have let us starve to death. God's took care of us and watched over us. I don't have anything to complain about this morning. And if I make a series of bad choices. I need to own it. It's my fault. But I need to be broken. I need to be tender. I need to be soft hearted. Don't you be so hard hearted this morning that you turn God away. I will make a statement this morning. I've heard some of the, and I grew up in a home where profanity was a second language. But I'm going to tell you something. The harshest things I've ever heard has not come from drunken sinners. It's come from people that went to church. Because the meanest person, the most honoriest person, the most, the most hardest person you're ever going to be around in life, you know who it is? It's a saved person that has unconfessed sin in their life and thinks they're okay. You know what I need this morning and what you need this morning, what we need this morning? We need God to take that blessed old book, not just today, but every day, and shine the light on anything in our life, in our heart, that's ugly and wicked. And I won't tell you pride is as wicked as perversion. I want to tell you this morning, jealousy. When you can't when you can't be happy for somebody else's accomplishments in life, when you can't praise somebody else, that when the Bible said you're to we're to prefer our brother before ourselves, but when you can't you when you can't joy in somebody else's recognition because you want it too much for yourself, when you can't be happy for that one person, oh, you can be happy for oh, but preacher, I can be happy for uh, ninety nine, but there's that one person that for whatever reason you let envy get in your life. I don't tell you envy's just as wicked, it's just as terrible, it's just as bad as drunkenness and adultery this morning. If I was preaching on adultery, we'd all be shouting amen. But I'll tell you, that's not what eating is eating us up in this generation. I'll tell you what's eating us up in our independent fundamental Bible believing Baptist churches. It's envy. It's covetousness. It's bitterness. It's gossip. It's all those sins of the heart. And David said they're ungodly and they'll harden the ground, the soul of your soul this morning. Cause you to not come to the altar. Cause you to lose your shout. I want to say not only does it hinder growth and harden the ground, but the drought of summer, it hides the good. 
You know what dust does? It covers everything, don't it? The dust of this world has filled the minds and the hearts of God's people. We need God to send the rain, to shower us not with blessings but with revival. And we need to shower God with repentance this morning. We need to shower God with honesty and integrity to own our sin. Our churches are worldly because our saints are hardened to the scriptures. It takes a whole lot of preaching to get people to move nowadays. They're hardened to the spirit of God. Many times they'll look at you with stone faces and not be moved. Worrying about what time they're getting out. Where they're going to go eat that afternoon. Other Sunday evening activities. Their mind is already preparing for work when they should be preparing their heart for the things of God but they've so self-indulged in the things of this world so much throughout the week that they've made little or no time for God and the end result is is that the drought of summer the spiritual drought in their life has hidden everything good and everything godly in their life why confess sin will not own their sin. Pride keeps us from saying I was wrong. The world has no confidence in the clown of a Christian. A carnal Christian, a casual Christian, too sorry to, to work, too sorry to have honesty about you, too sorry to pay your bills, too sorry to get involved, too sorry to, to say that I'm sorry. You, you never say you're sorry. You never own up to your sin. You ought to try giving and not taking. Try praying and not criticizing. Try silence instead of gossip. Try minding your own business instead of snooping in everyone else's business. business. Try bridling the tongue instead Instead of always having a smart comment, uh, try compassion and mercy instead of bullying and intimidation. Hey, that's the day we're living in, friend. That's where we're at. And not in the world, uh, but in our churches. I, I believe you'll stay with me on this. But this is, this is what I don't want to do as a pastor. Now don't misunderstand me. I never want to hurt anybody in this church. But the longer I'm here and the older that I get, this is what I don't want to do. I don't want to coast. Got five grandchildren. That's hard to believe. I'll tell you what I don't want to become as I get older. I don't want to become the grandpa of the church. I say that reverently. As men get older, pastors, preachers, our minds, our bodies, they get weaker. But I don't want to let up. I want to tighten up, don't you? Brother, I hope if God lets me stay here till I'm 85 years old, pastor in this church, I want to be preaching at 85 by the grace of God, as right and tight as I am right now. You say, you will never make it. Well, I may not, but that's my ambition. Caleb made it. They didn't think he'd make it with that crowd 40 years, but he made it. Amen. I tell you, say, when are you going to resign? I have no earthly idea. I'd like to just preach till I leave out of here and just hang in here and torment a few more members till then. Wouldn't that be a blessing to all of us? I'm just saying this morning, my friend, that hey, when you think about this scripture today, what does a summer drought do? It hides the good in your life. And lastly, and I'll close. What does the drought of summer do? 
hides the good, hardens the ground, hinders growth. But think about this. It hurts the globe. You say, what do you mean? Oh, summer droughts have a worldwide effect. So what do you mean, preacher? When we dry up spiritually, it affects the world. My life and yours, as small as it may seem to us and the deeds that we do throughout the week, it affects our home and in return that affects our church and our church affects our community and our community affects our country and our country affects the world. Can I tell you, there's so much sin in America today but I want you to know that God is more upset with the sinfulness of saints than He is the sinfulness of sinners this morning because we're the salt of the earth. We're the light of this world. It's not the world God's got a problem with. They're blind and in darkness and God will judge this world. I'll tell you what God's problem is this morning. It's with an apathetic, complacent children that won't move forward. And I don't want to dry up in these last days. I looked this up last night. I'll give this illustration as Sister Allen comes. The longest drought in American history was the Dust Bowl drought. It's usually referred to as the worst drought that ever hit the United States and the entirety of North America. The drought lasted about a decade. And it was characterized by severe dust storms that killed people and crops in the entire region. The Dust Bowl started in 1930 in the southern plain regions of the United States. And massive dust storms began to hit in 1931. By 1934, About 35 million acres of land that farmers had previously cultivated have been rendered useless for farming. At the same time, about 125 million acres of land were losing their topsoil. For context, 125 million acres of land is about the size of Texas. The Dust Bowl ended in 1939 when regular rainfall returned to the region. And in conclusion, I want to say this. Spiritually, in America, there's a dust bowl drought. Not with Washington. Not with the world. Not the streets of San Francisco. Not New York City. But in our churches. How long has the drought been in your life? Do you want revival? Do you desire to be closer to God? Do you long to do God's will? Is there a thirst this morning? I'm not asking you if you're a good member. And I'm not asking you this morning if you love Jesus. And I'm not asking you this morning, how's your service? I'm asking you this morning in your heart, are you tender? This morning, do you need revival? Are you committed? Are you where God wants you to be at? I can't answer that question for nobody in this room but myself. You know, when you feel that little sense of dryness come in our life, we must deal with it immediately. You say, why? Because it leads to a drought. This morning as we stand...